This is Pastor Landon Davis. Thank you for joining me for our daily Bible study. We'll be reading from Mark chapter 2 in the World English Bible today. When he entered again into Capernaum after some days, it was heard that he was at home. Immediately many were gathered together so that there was no more room, not even around the door, and he spoke the word to them. Four people came carrying a paralytic to him. When they could not come near to him for the crowd, they removed the roof where he was. When they had broken it up, they let down the mat that the paralytic was lying on. Jesus, seeing their faith, said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven you. But there were some of the scribes sitting there and reasoning in their hearts, Why does this man speak blasphemies like this? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately, Jesus, perceiving in his spirit that they so reasoned within themselves, said to them, Why do you reason these things in your hearts? Which is easier, to tell the paralytic your sins are forgiven, or to say, Arise and take up your bed and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I tell you, arise, take up your mat, and go to your house. He arose and immediately took up the mat and went out in front of them all, so that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, We never saw anything like this. So we have a, a paralyzed man, and he was healed because of his faith and perseverance. Certainly, they could have turned back when they saw the crowd. Certainly, it wouldn't have been easy for him to get there. They were having to carry him on a mat. But not just his faith, but also the faith and perseverance of his friends. And so we see the importance of surrounding yourself with people of faith, with um, godly people, people that will bring you closer to the Lord instead of further away. Um, Jesus saw, it said, their faith, not just the man's, but theirs, the man and his friends. And it's interesting that he saw their faith. Uh, and we, we see this, we just finished, if you've been following with me, we just finished the book of James. And in James we read that uh, faith, well always real faith, saving faith, complete faith, is going to have, or mature faith, is going to have works with it. So true faith is displayed by our actions. So Jesus knew that these men believed because of the great effort that they had went through to bring their friend to him. And so Jesus not only uh, performed the miracle they were hoping for, that he would heal the man, but he forgave the man of his sins. In fact, Jesus took care of his sins, the more pressing need, first. Now, we know that only God can forgive sins, and so the scribes were astonished. It was one thing when, for Jesus to do miracles. They had had prophets that had done that before, but to have the boldness and the audacity to uh, proclaim that someone's sins were forgiven, they said, this is blasphemy. And so then Jesus healed the man so that they couldn't deny, they didn't quite understand, but they couldn't deny the demonstration of the power of God. And, and so people began to praise the Lord after the healing took place. Uh, and so what we're seeing is, and we'll see it more in this chapter, is Jesus begins to demonstrate the authority that he had. Uh, we, we know, looking back, that this was, as Paul would write to Timothy, God manifest in the flesh. But in that first generation, they didn't know, and Jesus didn't boast of these things, but he demonstrated it. And so we begin to, he begins to reveal his identity through the works that he did, the works testify of who he really was. 
Verse 13, he went out again by the seaside, and all the multitude came to him, and he taught them. As he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax office. He said to him, follow me. And he arose and followed him. He was reclining at the table in his house, and many tax collectors and sinners sat down with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many, and they followed him. The scribes and the Pharisees, when they saw that he was eating with the sinners and tax collectors, said to his disciples, Why is it that he eats and drinks with tax collectors and sinners? When Jesus heard it, he said to them, Those who are healthy have no need for a physician, but those who are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And so Jesus is still calling disciples. Remember, he had um, called Peter and James and John and told them they were going to be fishers of men. Now he calls Levi. And you have surely, everyone listening here has probably heard of Levi. You probably know him as an apostle or as the author of the gospel that bears his more commonly known name, Matthew. This was the calling of Matthew. He was first a tax collector, and the tax collectors were despised. They were considered sellouts. They were doing the the work of the Romans that were occupying the, the Jews, and they were often very dishonest uh, with their own countrymen. And so they were hated for many reasons beyond just the facts that the fact that they collected taxes and nobody likes to pay taxes. And so Jesus calls Matthew, who who would have uh, again the the righteous and the the godly and those that were trusting the Lord and believing for the deliverance of the nation of Israel. Uh, they would have considered Matthew to be one of the worst of sinners. That, that was kind of that feeling that people had in that day towards tax collectors, that they had sold out everything that was virtuous for money for themselves. And so when he, he called Matthew, and then evidently Matthew not only, or Levi in this case is what they call him, but Matthew or Levi, it's two different names for the same man. Um, evidently, Matthew called his friends because the next thing we see is that Jesus and his disciples are at the house and they're eating with sinners and tax collectors. After Levi came first and answered the call, or Matthew, um, well then there were others like him who came to Jesus as well. And so there were many that were following him. And so when the religious question this, what are you doing uh, eating with all of these sinners? Um, Jesus said, just as the sick need a doctor, sinners need to hear the call to repent. And so Jesus came for sinners. And we need to remember whenever he saved us, each of us had sinned and fallen short. And when Matthew responded to the call of the Lord, evidently he also gave a call to his friends. And and that's a great example for us that we've been saved so that we could carry this on and reach out for those that are lost and hurting in sin. So we do need to consider now, because earlier I pointed out the benefit of having godly fellowship and godly friends. And that's a theme throughout the scripture, Old and New Testament. So the commandment for us not to be unequally yoked together with unbelievers is still applicable today. Paul's warning that corrupt company would ruin our good manner of living. That applies to the church today. So why was Jesus a perfect example fellowshipping with sinners? 
Well, there, there's an important distinctive here. Jesus and his disciples were not following the sinners. These men instead had come to Jesus. It says they were following him. And so when they came to him, he welcomed them. This was not a righteous person being vexed by the ungodly ways. But instead, this was a righteous man influencing the ungodly. They came to him looking for answers. And he greeted them with love and was teaching them the way of salvation. Verse 18, John's disciples and the Pharisees were fasting and they came and asked him, why do John's disciples and the disciples of the Pharisees fast, but your disciples don't fast? Jesus said to them, can the groomsmen fast while the bridegroom is with them? As long as they have the bridegroom with them, they can't fast, but the days will come when the bridegroom will be taken away from them and then they will fast in that day. No one sews a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old garment or else the patch shrinks and the new tears away from the old, and a worse hole is made. No one puts new wine into old wineskins, or else the new wine will burst the skins, and the wine pours out and the skins will be destroyed. But they put new wine into fresh wineskins. So uh, Jesus came to fulfill the law. So he uses this analogy of, of trying to put... Uh, a, a patch of new cloth onto uh, an old garment or uh, putting new wine into old wineskins and says it, it won't work. It's going to um, tear away. It's going to destroy. You're going to lose the wine and the wineskin, etc. And so Jesus is letting them know he's doing a new thing here. He did come to fulfill the law, but when he fulfilled it, he's bringing in something new and better. And so they couldn't cling to their old way of life that they had known and then also receive the gospel. And um, I think the Jewish people have prayed and fasted. They know, according to the prophecies, that it's time for the Messiah to come. And so they're praying for his kingdom and believing for the Messiah and for different uh, deliverance. And now he's there. And so now it's time to believe. And, um, and we see that many in that generation had difficulty letting go of what they had known, letting go of their power and position and reputation and, and humbling themselves and learning the ways of the Lord. And ultimately, because they weren't willing to follow the Lord, when the new had come, they tried to hold on to the old. Jesus told them that they were going to be judged and Jerusalem was destroyed because they hadn't recognized the time of their visitation. Verse 23, he was going on the Sabbath day through the grain fields and his disciples began as they went to pluck the ears of grain. The Pharisees said to him, behold, why do they do that which is not lawful on the Sabbath day? He said to them, did you never read what David did when he had need and was hungry? He and those who were with him, how he entered into God's house at the time of Abiathar the high priest and ate the showbread, which is not lawful to eat except for the priest, and gave also to those who were with him. He said to them, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Therefore, the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. So the uh, we mentioned that there's several things all kind of coming together here. One, Jesus is going to demonstrate who he is by his works and by the things that he says. He, he begins to, without directly claiming uh, that he's the mighty God, um, we see near the end of his ministry, 
he begins to speak more plainly. He told the disciples, I've spoke to you in parables, but now I'm going to really reveal the Father to you. But initially, he, he did not um, come to show himself as God, but he was God come manifesting himself in the flesh as a man. And but we do see hints of this as as he does these mighty works, as he forgives sins, as he does the divine things that only he has the prerogative to do. And so there's an element of, of that that we're going to see here. But then also this idea of the new has come and you're going to have to let go of some of your traditions and the old ways of thinking because the the Jews, of course, had the commandment that they weren't to do work on the Sabbath. And then they began to add layers of requirements and laws and specifications that were not given in the law of Moses, but it was their way of trying to, to be sure that they kept the Sabbath. And so they become more and more stringent and more strict and were asking more than God had even asked. And so the Sabbath, which was sacred to the Jewish people, even yet, though they worked so hard to keep it, they misunderstood it. The commandment had been given and it was given because of the goodness of God. He had given it for several reasons. One, it provided physical rest for the people, particularly for the laborers and those who worked the field. It also was a way in which they could recognize that God provided. Uh, keeping the Sabbath was how they acknowledged God. They had to trust God for an increase instead of just relying on their own labors, on the strength of their own hand, of their plans. They, they would have to, for a day, um, not pursue their own physical needs and just trust that God was going to provide and take care of them and that they could have more or, or adequate uh, uh, of what they needed met in the days that they labored if they trusted God and, and gave him this day of Sabbath rest, that it was a way of acknowledging God. It also pointed ahead to the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. Remember Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 28, he in verse 11 and 12, he said that the Lord was going to speak to them with stammering lips and another tongue. And then he said, this is the resting place to give rest to the weary. And this is the refreshing. And so all of this language, you probably, if you've been with us through the daily Bible study here, you've, you've probably recognized this from um, the book of Acts, whenever the Holy Ghost was referred to as the refreshing, a times of refreshing that had come. And of course, when the Spirit came, they spoke with tongues. And so Isaiah uses this idea of, of a rest, like a Sabbath rest, but says that there's really going to be a spiritual rest and refreshing that comes and he ties it with the stammering lips and another tongue. And so the Sabbath pointed ahead to what the Lord was going to do spiritually uh, through the outpouring of the Spirit. And ultimately, what the Sabbath really points ahead to is full salvation. And what I mean by this is when the saved will cease from their labors here and we will live eternally with the Lord. And so Jesus, as 
he claims to be the Lord of the Sabbath. So he's going to be the one who pours out the Spirit. He's the one that is the only way to that final and full salvation. He's the one that gives rest for our souls. And even we said the Sabbath was a way of acknowledging God. John uh, will later write in his epistle that if you acknowledge the Son, you've acknowledged the Father. So the way that we acknowledge God and worship God is through Jesus Christ. And so if if he is the Lord of the Sabbath, then surely he's the Lord of all. So we're getting a little hint of who Jesus is as well. And so that's going to conclude this, this chapter. So let's pray before we move ahead and just pray that the Lord would help us to, to recognize who he is and uh, to, to see the work that he's trying to do in, in our day and that we can have the kind of faith that these men had, that we can make a difference and we can reach people and point them uh, to Jesus and be able to show them the true identity of our great Lord and Savior. Let's pray together. Father, we pray in the name of Jesus. We ask, Lord, that our faith would have works, that you would see our faith, and that we could use our faith to bring others to you. I ask, Lord, that uh, you would forgive our sins and that you would forgive the sins of our land. Help us to make a difference. You, you said you came to make the sick well, to make the sinners, um, to find that place of repentance, those that were sick in their souls. And we need that more today than we ever have. We ask, Lord, that you would help us to see the new thing that you're doing in our day, Lord. We pray that you would pour out your spirit, and we know that when we worship you, when we serve you, that's where we find rest for ourselves. We pray it in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We ask that you would be exalted. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank you for listening. Join me again tomorrow for another episode.